He is kind of thick. It is. It? It's, it's a little viscous. What, what are we drinking? This is the. Uh, what is this? This is the Tin Cup Colorado whiskey. Nice. You're listening to the Whiskey and Wax podcast. Rocky Mountain High. My name is Dan. This is Chris. Hello. Our special guest today, the one and only, the Batman, playing with his whiskey ice, Kush Aurora is in the house today. Hello, sir. Welcome. What Thanks were, for what having you me. What do you do with your whiskey glass? Let's hear what you... What you... Just trying to get it to... That's live PA whiskey jam. Live, right yeah, that's, live PA whiskey jam. That's Foley whiskey. Foley whiskey. It's like for the, for the sound designer and all of us. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, dude, absolutely. What's going on? What are you doing? Photo? I just took a picture. Uh, I had to take a picture of Chris because he looks like Paul Schaefer with turntables right now. Oh my God! Stuff Dude. keeps stuff keeps falling all around me. I don't know yeah. what the fuck is You're going on. You're a menace on. to yourself. I'm a menace to society. <laughs> so Kush Aurora, um, you're coming off a big night. You were at the Grime City Ten Year last night. How was that? It was great. It was a, a interesting night. We, there was Grime City in the front, uh, Surya Dub in the back. Um, Joe Nice came. Nice. Who's Joe Nice? Joe Nice. Probably widely regarded as America's most dubplate-worthy dubstep DJ. Uh, not a producer, but at the at the early days of dub war and when dubstep first broke in the states, he was in Baltimore and going back and forth in New York um, with the likes of Dave Q, Lofa, um, Pinch. Nice. And them um, doing doing nights up there. So he played in the front. We were in the back. We had uh, Santa Muerte, uh, a great producer and runner of actually four different labels um, um, from Jesus. Houston. Who has the time? He's got the time, and the dude's you know holding down. That's rad. Like life should too. So you know it was it was it was really cool, and we had a really good turnout. Long night. Yeah, it's uh, it's Sunday afternoon, and and I feel like Kush is doing pretty good. He's doing pretty well for for having gone to 4 a.m. And you you did a live PA set last night. Live PA, yeah, a project uh, that is new, a new alias of mine, not under my name, called Only Now, and it's Only Now, Only Now, and that record came out on Monday on Record Label Records. Nice, dude. Congrats. Yeah. So is it is it in the same same vein as the stuff you you you've been doing? No, it's pretty different. Total it's, departure. It's uh no, I wouldn't say it's a total departure, but I think you could hear. It's actually like a step. It's one step back, one step forward. I don't know. That's like some. <laughs> that's like some fucking. Is it that Paul like, Abdul song? Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, remember? Uh, dude, I used to masturbate to Paul Abdul. <laughs> that video. Uh, didn't we all? Dude, that Wait, video. Which, which video? Uh, the, the cat one. The cat one. <laughs> 
dude. Real talk on Real whiskey talk. and wax. Yeah, dude. That video, like, I remember, like, I remember, like, watching it in my mom's bedroom. So, so we should say that that Kush is not alone today on whiskey and wax. He's brought some backup. Um, do you want to introduce your your associate here? He's an esteemed individual in his own right. Uh, this man is Mr. Anthony Godoy, a longtime uh, friend and innovator. Uh, we've been probably worked together since on music since we're in fourth grade. Wow, long long time, and we're pretty active until in a few different projects uh, until about. Like 20, 21 or so. Nice. And so he came to see the show because, like what I was saying, it's like sort of back to my roots yeah, and also sure. kind of embodying things that I've done in the reggae and dub and dubstep and 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 re- reggae world, you know, reggae bass, dread bass world. But kind of like really tried to isolate those elements, take them forward, and have a open palette for experimentation. And so him and I were in these projects, and so I figured Anthony should be here today because it's a rarity that he's in town. Yeah, uh, sure. original Chimpu crew last night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're visiting, you're on the Whiskey and Wax podcast, getting where you fit in, enjoy the ambiance, enjoy the beats. We're gonna hear something from Only Now later, right? Absolutely, yeah. I brought some unreleased. I brought two unreleased tracks actually. Amazing. That'll Sweet. be there. Well, we will get to that. Um, as as loyal listeners of the show know, you know, now that we're on our third episode, we totally have loyal listeners already. But uh, we do um, we do pairings on the Whiskey and Wax podcast, and we will be pairing today this tin cup. Colorado whiskey. It says American and Colorado. Hmm, there's a comma. Or there's a town Mountain called High. Tin Cup. Isn't there? Isn't Tin Cup a town in Colorado? Or, that, or is that a Kevin Costner movie? I'm pretty Tin sure Co- it's. Dude, it is a, Ke- <laughs> a Kevin Costner movie. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, that, that's some '90s shit, man. That dude is ghost, man. Where the fuck is he? <laughs> He's on Waterworld right now. He's hiding from. Did he actually get out Dennis of the acting? Hopper. Did he actually get out of the acting game? Like, was he actually smart about it? Like, he made his money and like just split. I mean, I have no idea. Presumably, I have not. Ne- I mean, nobody's even said the word. Kevin Costner actually last night after the show. You you know what? I I saw on Netflix. He's in some movie that just that just came out on Netflix. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's about. But I saw him on the cover, and it's like some new. Some new shit. So, Kevin Costner, if you're listening, we'd love to get you on the show. You can hit yes. us up on Twitter. It's at Whiskey and Wax. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Dances with Wolves. <laughs> well, that's actually what I on the ri- on the car ride home from the show last night. I, I, we went to a house party afterwards. We we're hanging out, but um, the cab guy basically, I got in the car and he had fucking Brian Adams that song from from Robin Hood from Robin Hood. Wasn't Kevin Costner in Robin Hood? He was. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't a version of it. Yeah, he was in. He was in Robin Hood and. Everything I, I do. Dude, I actually told the cab. I was like, dude, turn that shit off. <laughs> he turned it off. He turned it off and then proceeded to get this. I didn't even tell you this. He turns down Market Street. It's like four in the morning. Turn down. Turns down Market Street and there's a the dividers. You know where there's a bike lane and there's actual physical dividers that are yeah, like concrete, right? No, no, not concrete. Those those like sort of plastic. Oh yeah, the little stick. Things the stick, stick things, up. they're yeah. about as high like up to your waist or something, you know? He drives like right into it and almost runs over a bicyclist. Oh and my he God. starts driving in the bike lane. 
So was your, was your cabbie at Grime City as well? Like, That's what I was he, saying. I was like, man, this guy's fucked up. He's we, were, we were like, we're out of here, dude. Gotta get awesome. He almost died. No, I mean, he almost hit a bicyclist. The bicyclist almost Kush died. was inside the cab. Yeah. I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You're wearing two <laughs> pairs of headphones. It's awesome. It's hard. Um, so we're going to be drinking the uh, special Kevin Costner edition tin cup whiskey. And we're going to pair it because, um, you know, because our good friend Kush is here. We're going to pair this whiskey with some music that, that we think is evocative of the styles that that you create in your own music and that we hear you DJ in your sets. And, you know, we've... You were part of Surya Dub, and Chris and I were affiliated with Slayers Club, and we um, we did a lot of events together. And so I've I've heard Kush play a lot of music, and I'm really excited to hear this new project because I'm I love evolutions, you know, yeah. of artists that I like and appreciate. I like it when they take their stuff in a new direction. So we're gonna play some uh, Tabla Beat Science. Chris, do you want to oh, intro yeah. this tune? Yeah, this Classics. is um, this is off in what is in my mind, you know, a pretty monumental album. Um, especially in the world of kind of dub and international kind of fusion. I mean, it's pretty much, it's pretty in the, I'd say it's in like the top, the players on this record are in the top, the top, it it doesn't get any better than this. It's got Talvin Singh, Zakir Hussain. World's best tabla player. Yeah, world's best tabla player. Karsh Kalei, Bill Laswell, come on, I mean, this is like. It's a pinnacle of, it's pinnacle of 90s production. It's like, it's like one of those bands where, it's a super group, totally. but they didn't even make it a super group. They were just like, let's get together and, and play some music. But it's basically a who's who of people who make amazing cross genre yeah. music. Yeah, so very ahead of its time, still relevant and, you know. Still sounds really good. Still sounds they should, they should immediately do that shit live again. Oh my I, was, God. I was bumping Tabla Beat Science in my truck with crappy 1985 speakers. And it just knocks. <laughs> so the, that mid-range of the tabla is just perfect. So the song, the song is uh, Palmistry, which is off the the album Tala Matrix. So once and, again, that's Palmistry oh, off the oh. the Tala Matrix album by uh, Tabla Beat Science. Whiskey and words. Whiskey. Yeah, I remember this one. So good. Yeah.
I've noticed that uh, whiskeys from the American West tend to have this kind of frontier vibe. They're kind of rustic and rugged and kind of grainy in a good way. And I feel like the tablas and the, the spacey sounds in this tune have like that same sort of wide open, expansive quality to them you know like like i can almost taste the the sand of the of the the high plateau like <laughs> is that is that blowing a- into my <laughs> uh blowing into my glass and and <laughs> coloring my taste buds so you're saying you're saying this whiskey tastes like dirt is it, is yeah but in a good way <laughs> and i'm also saying the table beat science sounds dusty in a good way yeah it does sound dusty <laughs> totally like you could totally be you could totally be like herding yak to this music or you could be rocking out in the club. Whoa. I definitely yes. got to see I'd love to see Zakir Hussain herd some yak in the club. <laughs> Yo bitch herd some yak in the club. Zakir Hussain if you're listening we'd love to herd yak with you. Hit us up on Twitter. Herding yak it's like that's like that's s- not a weird euphemism. Herding yak it's like some jizz terminology. <laughs> no it's, it, but it's not I literally mean Corralling giant bovine creatures for Yo, we met economic this, gain. We met this slutty girl, man. She was hurting yak, man, left and right. Did, did we just invent slang? We need yeah. now we need to assign meaning to it. Yeah. So when when you're hurting yak, what are you doing? <laughs> Kush? Uh, <laughs> looking at you, buddy. This is what happens when you get me with whiskey and other things. Oh, I knew what we were getting into. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on from the yak herding. <laughs> and uh, what? Yeah, you brought, did you bring? You brought music today. I brought a bunch right? of music. Yeah, cool. I brought all. I made a rule. Dan told me to, you know, to bring some stuff. Um, but what I ended up doing was I kind of went through my what I thought were pivotal records that made me want to make music. Nice. And. I would say a good portion of the shit is from fourth grade till sixth grade, fourth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Cool. And then a second portion of it is, um, I kind of cut it off at 18. Sweet. And I brought like two tracks, two other songs that I heard through my 20s and early 30s that I thought were, actually no, I cut it off I think at 30. Okay. So yeah, so and then it took two for the re- the next decade. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we're really going on a journey here. We're going on. A, we're going on a on a. And I looked up some of the dates too, so we could even, uh, you know, give Perfect. some time on t- time and time and date on that shit. Nice. Well, you kick know? it off, man. Take us away. Okay. So. So let's go here first to. Um, Dear, 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 favorite, favorite track. I mean, we used to rock this shit all the time. This is a uh, Godflesh, um, uh, Cold World. I got this cassette, at, um, and I actually still have it in my parents' house, like in a box. Um, but it, I got this cassette at the warehouse. Ha! Yeah, you did. Where? Where you got your fucking music? The warehouse. So it was like the warehouse spot in Walnut Creek in the mall. Yep. I went skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Walnut Creek is a suburb, sort of, I would say like 15 minutes away from Berkeley and Oakland yep. on the other side of the tunnel. And that's just an area that I was going to grade school at. So I remember going skateboarding, seeing this 
having read about God Flesh and in some like um, metal magazine, BAM, Bay Area Music Magazine. Yeah, remember, I remember that? Bam. Yeah, Bam always, the Bammies, they used to have the awards and stuff. The Bammies. So I heard this and I, this shit changed my life. Like this was just phenomenal to me. I didn't know what it, what, what it was. And as far as a release date on, um, on this, I believe, I mean, look it up real quickly. Um, I just typed in Cold World and some other metal band came up, probably who ripped the name off from Godflesh. But um, that that record is uh, 1991. An excellent vintage. An excellent vintage. So here we go. ridiculous i mean i love i think they were using the actual i was taking drum lessons at the time and in, in fifth grade i remember getting a alesis uh sr16 yeah i had that shit. yeah totally. yeah you did drums too so yeah my drum teacher told me to get that dude where, who did you take drums from I took it from this dude named Rich at Campana Music in dude, Lafayette. Dude, I took Rich Fongheiser? Yes. I took drums from Rich Fongheiser. <laughs> what? My first yeah. job ever was working at Campana Music. Remember that shit? We used to go. He lived in Lafayette, too. No way, dude. Yeah, I grew up in Lafayette. Yeah. That's hilarious. So all three of us are from basically the same area. He lived I knew over you were from the East Bay, but I didn't know you took drums from fucking Rich, man. That's I awesome. took Rich. The best part was my friend thought he had a diaper. <laughs> what? Because what he had that, that he, he had that drum drum stool, and he'd be like, "Dude, I want you to listen to it when he moves around in the drum stool." I love you, Rich. I'm sorry, but this is just a funny <laughs> fucking story. But like, and I saw him later on. Oh I've seen God. I've seen him. He was a great teacher. I love Rich, dude. Yeah, I learned so much from that guy.
So when I worked at Campana Music, I was also taking drums from Rich, but I worked for Joe Campana. Who is a who legend I, in a his own right. Fucking boss, dude. This guy. So like the way he looks, remember the dude, the old dude guy. at Campana? Yeah. He's like he's like fucking like he looks like he's like from the mafia, like in like totally. He looks like a mafia 1940s like he's he like, looks, hey, yeah. Remember the Sopranos? What the, the fucking dude? Campana? Remember the Sopranos, the the like young brash guy who gets killed a couple seasons in, but like I haven't seen the Sopranos. If anybody has seen the Sopranos, the young dude gets killed. But that's like Joe Campana as a kid. And I worked for Joe Campana when he's like 70 years old. And he's like this the, one of the illest accordion players I've ever seen with my own eyes. And he would just chill in the back of the shop and the fucking shred the accordion all day and boss me around and it was still one of the best jobs i've ever had big what, up of music uh i worked there in eighth grade and when i was a freshman in high school nice yeah we had to have seen we, each oh, other dude absolutely i like, just I, we, there's I mean, i'm trying to think because i no way we didn't i stopped taking lessons there i think in seventh grade and then took them from josh josh jones over who was uh who's doing Stanford jazz oh, sick. Um, at that time. And he was also the drummer in the hieroglyphics and he did the drums for digital underground. Right. Um, at that time. And he was doing a lot of freelance drumming stuff, but yeah, that's awesome. crazy. See, cool. East Bay, East Bay, specifically <laughs> one road. Yeah. Specifically Moraga road in yeah. Lafayette. <laughs> that's crazy. Brad. And that was Godflesh. That was Godflesh. I remember like showing, I think I might've even shown it to Rich and been like, I want to learn how to make this shit. And Rich is like, why do you need a machine to play drums? Yeah. Should I play the next song? Or? Dude, throw it on, man. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be sorry. This is your show. I'm just here for... Yeah, we're just some guys drinking whiskey. I'm just here to enable you to spew out of your mouth. It's just, it's just, yeah, well, I'm definitely doing that. That was uh, the worst phrasing of that thought ever. So right here, we're, we're hearing something else. I, I'm switching. I have a lot of other heavy music that I brought in this, but this is... Um, Dude, play whatever you want. Future Sound of London. Hell yeah. So let's take the clock. Like, let's, I'm going to skip a chapter, a big chapter here. And we're going to go to when Anthony and I started making music together a lot and getting really into the actually coming literally blocks from where we are right now. So we're right now at a block or two away from Haight-Ashford. Yep, we're recording in 6-2 Forward, the Whiskey and Wax home base on Masonic Avenue. And you used to live near here. Yeah, I used to live. Me and my wife lived here for about five, six years. Big up the Sakura Massive. Yeah, absolutely. And that was down there, right? So when I left Berkeley, I, I, I lived there for a while. Nice. So FSOL was Future Sound that of you London and, that you and Anthony. Yeah, this is stuff that we we really, really, really like obsessively loved. Yeah. I still think it stands the test of time of it, being absolutely cult, fucking classic UK psychedelic music. Yeah, I was but, definitely rinsing this out in the '90s. So this is a uh, Life Forms is the album, brilliant art as well, and it's the title track Life Forms as well. But I remember us guys hearing it and just never heard anything that tribal before, honestly. We used to play the Novation Bass Station over there. Remember what that? was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we used to play the Novation Bass Station over there. Yeah, the old, the old outboard. Is that a monosynth? I, yeah, I used to have that. I bought that in, um, I bought that in like seventh grade, so we used to practice yeah. bass lines over this. 
no spare, no tribalism. That part right there, that's the shit right there. Excited. Kush is air drumming. Yeah, the verb is crazy. How are you guys doing on whiskey? Yeah. Just a touch. Just a pubic hair. Um, is, that a, is that a unit of measure, or do you have a special request for your whiskey? How, how much is that exactly? How much whiskey is a pubic hair's worth? That's like two microns. That's like two, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ooh, that's more like a pubic dreadlock. Yeah, that's a lot. Jesus Sorry, Christ. Man. I don't have any of those. Hey, we don't know that. If anybody out there has pubic dreadlocks, please cut them off right now. <laughs> that's, that, that's not safe. They were listening to too much Future Sound of London and doing acid. They're like, let's obey the shaman. Obey the shaman. <laughs> Actually, at the time, it reminds me, there was the shaman, too. Remember the shaman? The shaman. The, the the band the they were they, they fucked what? they fucked with Future Sound in London. Wasn't it the Shaman like M E N? Yeah. Yeah 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 totally. Yeah. Oh dude, this is the jam right here though. Oh, man, like I haven't heard this in a minute. The djembe ensemble in the background. We used to come down the street here. We used to take Bart from the East Bay, bring our boards, skate to the hate. Go down to Amoeba and then take the Anjuda, then go to go down to Amoeba. Not Amoeba, the record store. At that time, there was Amoeba, the legendary acid house place on Haight Street, which was home to Joan Astral Matrix, who took us under a wing and always showed us the right mixtapes and everything to get. Um, I remember him giving us air liquid vinyls. And, that's the same. Yeah. That's the same building that then turned into Frequency Eight, right? No. 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 These are Frequency Eight and, and Amoeba actually existed, coexisted for some point. Yeah, F 8s across the street from Amoeba. Right? Yeah. No, but this is Amoeba, the rave shop. Right. Where Where was that? That was uh, actually where the head shop, uh, like uh, Head Rush, right now is. It's oh, like. That one. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking of is housewares. Totally separate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing like the Hate Street East to West crawl in my mind. Yeah. Set to 1997, and I can't picture where I'm. This is was. this is 95, 96. I think it closed in 97 or 96. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we went we went there for like two years. I had a huge impact. Yeah. The, um, song, this song is almost done. Though. Cool. Shit. Play another one. I got, some, I got some music playing here. Yeah. Cool. That, so, that's so that's tell, us, tell us more. Yeah. That, that, so it's, it's an interesting story. So we used to we used to skate down there, um, and so there was Amoeba. So that's where Psychic TV used to kick it at. Um, Psychic TV. Genesis P Orange. Genesis P Orange. All of them. They used to make a lot of their clothes and shit like that um, there. So it was a clothing store, mixtapes. It was a height height of the rave era in the Bay at that time. Yeah, the front was like a clothing store head shop, but then they had like a closet in the back and just a few crates of records, but everything in there uh, was gold. Oh, one of those spots, right, right, right. Yeah, and I, uh, I remember uh, Astral Matrix used to work there. I know guys like Jonah Sharp and all definitely dipped in and out of that place a lot. 
Um, but that place was super, super important. They used to hook up the shit pretty legitimately. Um, and then, yeah, F8 was down the street as well, which Anthony was involved with a lot. Anthony was DJing under the name Alias, playing all the skills parties. Oh, wait, what? You're uh, Alias? Yeah, no way. Yeah, I'm Alias. I was listening. I was, I was hearing shit. I was down in Southern California and... Uh, you know, back in the day, obsessed with what was going on in the Bay. Cyber trance. Yeah. Oh man. That was that's it. That's crazy. With like, like back in the day, I was listening to like you, and like Mars and Mystery, old Mars and Mystery tapes and shit. Yeah, Mars and Mystery. They used to come out to all the outdoor parties they throw. Yeah, those guys threw great parties. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think it. I think it bears mention that this is like right before the internet really became. You know, available to people who weren't super nerdy. And the party scene back then was so reliant on record shops and so reliant on physical little oases that you could go to and interact with this culture that was literally underground in most respects. The, the, that was it was so special, you're right. Yeah. I mean and, and even to just go into these these head shops and record stores and and know that those people were on your level culturally and that you were like you weren't having to go to the warehouse and dig for the one like super mainstream electronica I'm doing air quotes but like you know not not have to just be like oh well all I know is Chemical Brothers and Crystal Method because that's the only stuff that I can get at the warehouse but like making the effort to come you know 30 miles or 20 miles or whatever to get out here and, and go to some store that you're not even probably supposed to be in because you're young and going through multiple map points I mean I remember I used to um, have my map point line on a pager yeah yeah yeah, yeah Party, totally. parties had map points you didn't just get to get the location you had to actually go find some dude yeah Pictures like Carson. <laughs> Carson. <laughs> no, like I mean, Carson. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing. That was the thing is, is really like coming, engaging. I, to be honest, we were really into BBSs early on. Right, yeah. So we were, there was a BBS. That That is actually a great segue into the next track that I'm going to queue up. Uh, so explain what a BBS is for those that don't know. So, bullet so young system. ones. There you go. Young ones, if you're listening, you used to get a either like this, like a monthly newsletter, like Bam used to be a local music magazine, or you'd look up the back of the SF Guardian or the list, the, the, li list? the list, and you'd get this physical thing from the record store or from like the street vending um, uh, magazine machines, right? At BART stations and shit like that. You'd go to the back of the magazine and it'd be all these numbers that you would call. And some of them were like, most of it was shit to like jack off to, right? And then, <laughs> of which we used. If, if you weren't getting enough Paula Abdul in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a number of years later, dude. I mean, that Be was. real, <laughs> it was the cat. This is junior high. I mean, I had moved beyond Paula Abdul. I'd gone to downloading actual porn at extremely slow rates. Oh my god. Celeste. Celeste. <laughs> so anyway, you're you're looking yeah. through the back of a magazine, yeah. you're calling random phone numbers. So you call the numbers, right? Okay. And that shit you would call the number, you would take up your entire phone line. 
basically like and my mom would get really mad so we, you had to stay on it for a long time to hear anything meaningful right like what was what was being discussed on these lines no 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 no, no. you'd call no you'd call the bbs with your modem oh right right, right. okay i'm sorry so i you, thought we were still on the 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 shit to jack off to no no you're always going back my bad there, dude I, I thought we were i thought kush is so deadpan like you kind of don't know when he's joking and no. i thought he was still on the no no no, no, no. i'm Just, sorry no no what happened no, we're so, back to so young kids who use the internet bulletin boards were actually the internet back in the day kush please yes you dial in the number you'd be like so we used to hook up to one called the Cyberdem, which was amazing so at that time in san francisco there was a cl club called dv8 which we never actually really got into that's the letter d the letter v and a the number eight yeah dv8 and at that time there was a guy named exorcist uh who ran this bbs and also did um and big up yourself man i know you're uh, he's up in humble too bat. yeah bat so bat was sort of a hub for industrial music in the bay area at that time um he had uh let's see people like switchblade symphony raised in black frontline assembly um uh, all, all the noise people, a lot of ambient masters like Lustmord and uh, people of that nature. Um, all that information available on on the BBS, and it was you, you would use your Mac or your PC, and you download and you'd get an application called First Class Client, and you'd have to dial into the BBS, and it would be like. And that's what you were saying before. Yeah. You'd have to dial in over your home phone, phone line, using which, it, which is what would take up the phone line because yeah. you're making a call. But it's, and it would take hours, so nobody could call your house. Like for, in Napoleon busy. Dynamite. Yeah. Remember that scene in Napoleon Dynamite? It's like that, you guys. Yeah. This is a public service announcement for all the millennials. Yeah. You guys never dealt with shit. The struggle was real, dude. The struggle. This is before even AOL. So you're talking about <laughs> like... The Exorcist was not sending CDs to your house being like 10,000 free hours. Yeah, no, none of that. So that was a, a hub where we would be able to share pictures, music um, and information and most of all chat. So there'd be these chat rooms we would spend our whole all the time, man. Fucking sitting up late yeah, at night just chatting away. Like... All, all types all types of real like legit bands and shit were on there and we actually met a lot of people in the Bay Area that way and then AOL came and then came all the music chat rooms and things like that but that was a way to find out where shows were too so you had like one cyber world for for the sort of darker arts and then you had the rave scene in the around 94 to 90, 98 99 kind of a, when we were going in and out of it and it was a, it was really really exciting time yeah yeah for sure and it was so it, it was like you really had to go out and find culture you couldn't just expect it to come to you i mean you, you had to make effort to not only go through this laborious task like i'm remembering back to to those days and you know my slow ass 386 computer and yeah and oh the internet's expensive oh but like it's the stuff even even like us now as as musicians and producers like and even promoters when we do throw parties but like it's so much easier but it still seems hard you know you got to deal with social media and you got to deal with if you even make flyers you got to deal with that part but it's it was so much harder to even get to the point where you were looking at the options for shows you could go to if you were looking for shows that you would yeah. go to I remember we used to put flyers up all over our wall. We loved this shit. We yeah. like it was like, it was it was absolutely it was walls. absolutely essential. It was like totally that was the that was the art of, of that community. Yeah, and that art has has remained, you know, because I, I think I think a lot of ways like 
flyer and poster design in those subcultures led to the way that websites looked, led to the way that graphic design looked in general, and has kind of pollinated out through our entire visual culture, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like the 24-hour fitness logo looks like a rave logo, kind of. Yeah. Huh. That's actually sort of true. Yeah. How much time do you spend in the gym at 24-Hour Fitness? I don't watch 24-Hour Fitness. Hey, 24-Hour Fitness, if you want to be on the show, hit us up. It's Whiskey and Wax on Twitter. Yeah. So what you got next for us, Kush? So let's take the clock back a tiny bit again, and let's go to the year 1990, of which I did not buy this record in 1990, mind you. I got it the same year I got the Godflesh record, so... Hands down, in the top three records of mine of all time would be Too Dark Park by uh, Skinny Puppy. Um, uh, yes, Skinny which, Puppy. Which, actually, they're just still kicking ass. Like, they went through a brief period where, like, they made, like, two mediocre, kind of cheesy records, and then they now are, like, fully fucking kill- killing it, as always. Well, didn't the one guy die? Yeah, Dwayne Goethel died in the, in the mid- late 90s. Right. Or mid-90s, and at that time, and then... Then Seven Keys started doing Download, which is phenomenal music. Um, I don't have any on this. Is it industrial type stuff like that? No, it's actually much more. I thought I think of Download as like a predecessor to what became IDM and dub, Dubstep a little bit in a weird, interesting way. Um, really brilliant music. Um, I should have brought some. I'll find some while we're listening so to this. What's Listen, the name of this song? Don't beat yourself up about it. Okay? Yeah. Just don't. <laughs> What's the name of the song you're going to play? Ah, this is Grave Wisdom. So yeah, Skinny Puppy, Grave Wisdom. Synthesizers, out of control, totally ahead of its time. Witch house motherfuckers, eat a dick. <laughs> this is, this is it. you have nothing on this. It's just pathetic. Come on. It really, it really does bother me, like the amount of like half-ass industrial music that gets attention in like from the last five years. It's like you can't, you can't even like. It's a, it's a, it's abysmal. records like I like Ogre's vocals and all that but the music to me always is what really stood out is like the how spastic all the programming is the bass just drops so hard yeah I mean this is really old so I mean it sounds really tinny in like 20 years later no but 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 relative to that like yeah because I think back to the music that I was listening to at this time which was you know admittedly also I mean this is what this came out in 1990 yeah. I mean, I was listening to like pretty mainstream music compared to that, uh, even in like before high school, basically. But like, I guess I did, one of the things that blew me away about industrial music the first time I heard it, and about like every electronic music, was just the amount of bass. Yeah. Like, as a guy who grew up playing instruments and playing in rock bands, like I thought I knew what bass was, and even like hip hop, and then you get into the electronic shit, and it's just 
so pure, so huge, so large, and it just so heavy. It, but it just fills your ears in a way that like rock bass. Like I'm picturing a dude playing like a Fender P bass with a pick, and it's loud and everything. Yeah. But it doesn't have that sub like, yeah. rumble, which even this stuff in headphones is like. Yeah, it still's got it. Yeah, it's, it sounds so good. You got like three bass lines running, like. What must be like a two rooms full of samplers at that time, right? You know? Yeah, seriously. It's like the composition is fucking beyond psychedelic. Yeah, the composition's yeah. on point, but just and, and like the the engineering of the sound is so large. Yeah. I think I, I think Nine Inch Nails did a good job transporting yeah. that into the mainstream, like and retaining that that huge low end. Yeah, the Nine Inch Nails stripped it down further. I right. think that's what Trent Reznor did really well. Was that he and that was why people in the mainstream could get it, because it was simple. Like, this stuff is symphonic. It's, like, really challenging musical history. Yeah. There's another, there's another track I got from the same record, but it's, um, a little, it's a little less hectic. But I think that this sense of, like, the sense of absolute dread and apocalypse and the cyberpunk type shit totally, is, yeah. like, really, like... The thing is, we're 80, all of us in this room, I don't know about you, I'm 80s baby. I'm, I'm, I'm 80s baby. I'm 78. You're 78? Uh, I'm 81. 82. He's playing yeah, 82. This is, this, is totally, this is totally the sound of what I imagined the future was going to be. Yeah, and it, and it turns out that the future was that. Yeah. That's that's. I guess that's what my point is. is like, or is that? Oh, yeah, here, this is another track off that record. This is a Tormentor. So a little chiller. Oh, yeah, yeah. This one is. So the thing that really struck me about this one was, at the time I was I was pretty familiar with like Bhangra and I heard reggae. I'd heard like you know sort of bassy cultural music for at that time, just like in the background at Indian parties and shit like that. But what stuck? So I wasn't really too. I was aware of rap and all that, but I really wasn't too excited about hip hop for whatever reason at that age. Um, Check the space line out. See how those vocals are treated? It's like shooting up dope. It's, like, uh, 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 uh. it's fucking crazy. It's like all the treatment, everything. This is like, that's how I approach reggae. So it's like, if I didn't hear this shit, I wouldn't think of doing like vocal effects the right way, you know? It's totally, I, I hear this shit like in, in a lot of the German uh, reggae and dub and like old like man recordings and like stereotype and, and all oh, that shit. Stereotype is a god, bro. Hero and a god, probably most one of the most influential people to me and I think to much bigger entities too. Like you'll see stereotype has done shit with Baraka Sum Sistema. He's done shit with Diplo. He's like the man behind the mask on the influencers. Totally. I mean you know, you know what that's kinda how I feel about dub in general. It's one of the most pervasive musical forms, one of the most influential uh you know, forms of music that it's so in the cut, and so in the background. You know, like I hear dub in this, you know what I mean? The like. Oh, this is, and these guys are huge, spliff, spliffed out, like seven key, like, I mean, the band has a reputation for drugs, right? So, but seven key, the guy who did all the music in Dwayne, 
super gunja heads, man. You never catch a dude without a without a big spliff, and he's a he's done a lot of dub technician stuff over the years. Well, like, and that, that's one of the things aesthetically about industrial that always struck me was like there was always crazy reverb and crazy like. It's very spacious music, even though it's got this reputation for being like robotic and kind of cold inhuman. It's it's lush in its own way, you know, and, and I think that's probably that dub influence that you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really And this is like in the, this is also like proto IDM, you know what I mean? Like, I mean I don't know a single IDM producer who's not a, a, a loyal fan of Skinny Puppy. I mean I've never agreed I've never met anybody Actually, that's my favorite part. Skinny Puppy's been doing shows, and I went to, I don't know why the fuck you didn't come. I even told you about it. But like the the the, the Skinny Puppy shows the last two years, man, like I met everybody and everybody from the last like 15, 20 years in the San Francisco music scene there, like in some shape or form. Like it's this watering hole for everyone stylistically. That was yeah. like the, yeah. the Square Pusher show. Yeah, dude, that shit was off the chain. It's like friends and fans, like every producer you know is in the building. Well, the, the, the Square Pusher show is especially funny because the first guest we had on Whiskey and Wax was Benji Mofono. Oh, another Bay Area on, legend, dude, man. Big oh my god. The DJ Centipede. And yeah. so he was on the show talking about how he was going to play with Square Pusher, and Chris and I were both like, oh my god, that's incredible. And then a week later, after recording the episode, Chris gets added to the Square Pusher bill, and he asks me and Bill, OG Crush, our Jungle Project, to play as well. So, so we all ended up on the bill, and it was what you're saying: this watering hole, this like meeting ground of people from all over the music scene who were like, "Oh, dude, Square Pusher is my favorite shit." And Skinny Puppy has that same kind of kind of grab on people because it was this, you know, it's like the best of industrial. It's it's vocal and accessible enough to not just be like angry robot emo music and it also presages a lot of this modern stuff like you're talking about speaking of idm uh this is a funk storong track oh who remembers fucking funk storong me yeah How do you what label that? was that on fuck hey come on Fat cat. Fat. <laughs> Fat. I, I love this. <laughs> did, did you slow it down so you could read the label? No, I, I read it before that. Oh, okay. I, I slowed it down because I used, I've played this track both 33 and 45 and, to, and totally works. You know what nice. I mean? Like, so here, this is, this is 45. And then I already want to mix it with drum and bass. Yeah, you should definitely do that with the OG crush you go, stuff. You go do this, and this is like, you know, trip trap. Dog, I want to drop this to Trap City. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, leave it at this. This sounds good, actually, dude. Kind of reminds me, you know, there was a time. So, this is interesting. Interesting story, actually. That, that's great. I love those. So, at uh, at the time of when we were we were hanging out, we were in this uh, like punk project together, doing you and Anthony were me and a Anthony. Punk yeah, I played drums. He played guitar, and then we like 
record like whatever noise or tape shit as much stuff as backing to make up for the lack of other members or whatever you know but what was on the tape like other guitars or bass or the, or? the synth like the synth or like other guitar oh, or sick like whatever we can throw a microphone on you had a you had a four task too right you had that four track like for a moment so you guys were producing together you weren't just like banging on the on the drums in the garage you were like producing songs and envisioning we, we, we were recording it into a mac let's see from um, the mac uh we both had the mac uh, that first mac uh, shit no not a power book did not a, no we both got a power mac the first power little PC. apple macintosh the little guy with like the 10 inch screen or whatever yeah Okay. So we were going into a mic in on that for a second. And then I remember I got, we both got a Power Mac at the same year. Nice. And I mean, without that Power Mac, man, fuck, life would have been different. And then I used to like scour secondhand stores. And I remember picking up like a little four track player from the seventies at Goodwill. Nice. We used the shit out of that thing. Oh yeah. So, so, so you would use that to like mix on the way in or, or you would actually do stuff on tape and then capture it to the Mac and then play it through to like play with and stuff like that yeah and both of them like, both of them one of our projects was called involution was, the whole concept was layering and we would just keep processing and layering music on itself cool so yeah we had we had that and um so we would use that there was another program called uh player pro which was a brilliant program, very similar to the way that Ableton is set up in some ways. It was a tracker tracker program. Player Pro. Yeah, Player Pro, um, and you could actually like record like multiple instances of live loops, and it would cycle through different boxes and start like it would so stop it was a the sequencer loop. Kinda. It was loop sequencing. Wow. It on incoming audio. Through an oh, eighth okay. inch jack on a power PC in, in 1993. The, no, not 93, 90, 97, 97, oh. something like that. Um, so we were using that to do a lot of tracks and things. But at that time, I had a, a, a zine called Tunnel Magazine. And you so, had a zine? Yeah, I had a zine that actually was. Aurora had a zine. For a long ass time. Okay. So we had, what I did is. What was it called? Tunnel. Tunnel. Okay. Tunnel. It was called Tunnel. I actually restarted it as a uh, as a Tumblr a couple months ago. That's rad. Um, but it was a zine, and we would go on these BBSs, Cyberden, and then when AOL came around and all that, we would be in all these chat rooms with all these different labels. So I started collecting all these contacts and emails of all these people, and I'd ask everybody for promos. So we got all these fucking promos. I suddenly we would have like all the Cleopatra records, like a bunch of rave shit. Warp records, um, oh, shit. Um, and then I started posting the reviews and putting them on like this GeoCities type page. Oh, okay. So we had that, and ended up, I ended up connecting with all types of people, like people like Mersbo, fucking the Loosebord, um, all the Bay people there. So it was like sort of like a hub and a way to get in touch and for us to figure out how to how to meet people and do shit because we were in you know in lafayette you're, yeah because we're right. out in the 925 and we were kids so it's like right and we had a constant stream of great music coming in the mail yeah it was pretty it was pretty awesome so that's we, incredible so we got mega I honestly like i'm not gonna lie i honestly feel left out right now because i didn't know about that Dude, we would have had so much fun. I actually think it's a little dick hurt about the fact that we never knew each other as kids. No, really. come on, man. We all ended up in the same Did place. Did you say dick hurt? Yeah. It's worse than butt hurt. It's worse than butt hurt. <laughs> it sounds worse than butt hurt. Yes. 
Well, this sounds a lot like this sounds. This record sounds a lot like some records that we used to get from Mego Records. Mego is home to the legend Finesse. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So Finesse is like well known for his guitar, ambient, uh, and noise Finesse? stuff. How do you spell that? F E N N E S Z. I think that's right, or just with a Z. Yeah. Yeah, it might be just with a Z, but. So he used to send us vinyls. Um, we used to get like a box of like 10 vinyls to review and shit like that. And we just do to these review reviews. in tunnel. In tunnel. In your zine. Yeah. And that, man, it was well, so tight. Well played, sir. I raised my glass to you. Rinse the glass. Hey, I, I did the work, bro. Wait, wait. We did the work. Salud. To doing the work. To doing the work and building communities. That's what it's about. Sounds like y'all did that. Yeah. So what are we hearing next from the Kusharora? We're gonna go. We're gonna forward it up a little bit. We're gonna little positive vibes. Okay. okay. Nice. Okay. Um, this is gonna go to my chalice days in high school, hanging out in the Berkeley Hills, blazing wow. and trazing. Grizzly Peak Road. Grizzly Peak Road. I live. I live near there now. Yeah. Many a spliff spoke mm, smoke there. Yeah, I, I understand that. I Many a other things done there too. Lots of pondering. Lots of pondering, a <laughs> lot of groping. Oh. So this is this is Sizzle. <laughs> oh, sounds like you and Anthony really did a lot of stuff together back then. Yeah. Oh, memory. Well, there, we did live together too. There, do you have an, uh, an appropriate story? Uh. Nah, no. No, not about you two, you fucking jackass. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Man, I'm striking out with the jokes today. I'm but not. I'm not good at, at, <laughs> at jokes. So this is Sizzla, as in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. I think I got really hip to Sizzla uh, sophomore year. Sophomore year of high school, I used to listen oh, to man. Reggae Express. Okay, Split skanking, Jaw Warrior, Jaw Warrior Jaw Shelter. Wire, yeah, and 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 that was when dance hall was in a sort of golden era, right? Like dance hall, because I didn't come into reggae until later in, in in the college years, but like. Dancehall reggae seems to have kind of had its golden era in like the early to mid 90s, right? I would say it's sort of like in or had a brief it's like right now it's like kind of having a shining crown and then and then early 90s like bounty killer era. Right, yeah, that's and what then, I'm thinking. And then the and then this era which was like 96 to 98 2000. Okay. Um and this was not, not that actually the first Sizzla record that I got cuz I loved his Kalonji record. I loved every single one of them and it hit the time Sizzla was very young. I think he was 17, 18 or like 20 wow. in his early 20s. At at the most. What a boss. So he's such a boss. So this is his uh uh, produced by legendary Phyllis Fattis, bad man, fucking gangster producer out of Jamaica. Um, and he produced that record for VP. It's called, called uh, Royal Son of Ethiopia. And classic. Classic. And check the, check the fucking drums on this. It's insanity right here. Woman, cause we not love be a gun. Remember that. Bless it. Whenever you take part in the uprising of the black child. When I'm so fierce, my run comes smile. Well, red, sign them, get signed, sign them, get signed. As Emperor Selassie, I was in the beginning. Is now and ever shall Do you remember this shit? Yeah. Uh, we are seeing your powers while I see. Oh my god. I, I, I have such a vivid, vivid memory being at uh, Sierra Nevada World Music Festival. Oh shit. And. Uh, no, not here. Uh, reggae on the river. And uh, reggae on my liver. You cannot be looking out of yourself. How close are you to Zion? In a Emmanuel Tamanakalam, you ever knelt. 
Anyways, I have a very vivid memory of SZA playing at Reggae on the River. I think I worked at Reggae for like five years. Really? Yeah, I volunteered at Reggae on the River for a, a bunch of years, and I definitely saw SZA. I bet, I bet you and me, Chris, were at that same Reggae show. We were probably all. We were probably all at SZA. We have just you, didn't know each other. You been? Have you played? Uh, you and Zulu played at Reggae on the River. Yeah, we, right? we did the we did the the main stage the first night two years ago. Dude, that's so gangster. Big up the MC Zulu. Chicago yeah. fucking global bass massive. Dude. I yeah. Like that guy. yeah, yeah. Zulu's Mr. 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 Dom. Yes, I miss you, Dominique. Come back to San Francisco, dude. Yeah, we'd love to have you again. Bring your megaphone. <laughs> yeah. You played at our, our what, first or second year anniversary at Slayer's Club. Yeah. Yes. That was, uh, dude, you guys were there too. That show was awesome. That was fun, man. That was crazy. The drums are crazy on this song. Yeah, isn't it? So, when I heard this record, it switched the way that I was producing. I, I had uh, Fruity Loops at this time. Okay. So I was doing some dancehall rhythms and Fruity Loops, trying to imitate. So, so for people who aren't music producers, Fruity Loops is an unfortunately named but very influential music production program for the computer that a lot of great producers probably remember from their early days. And still use. I mean, sure, yeah, the, pro- the program has grown up and is still legit. I'm not hating on yeah. Studio FL. But it's, it's, it's for people who don't make music, Fruity Loops is kind of like an OG production software. It's got a lot of... Um, it's got a lot of fucking wingdings and shit on it. Like now, you look at the program and it's got like, check out this buzzsaw synth, and it's got like a little like icon of like a little. It's got like fucking like little birds and shit in it. It looks hella funny. So it's still silly. It's still silly. I love it. Nice. Keeping it fruity. Hey, you can't take yourself too seriously when you're using fruity loop. Hey, Sizzla. <laughs> comma. Keeping it fruity. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so like a big part of the way that I got into reggae music was through drum and bass. Like honestly, yeah. you mentioned something like this before. When I was growing up, I wasn't super into hip hop. I wasn't super into reggae. I knew what it was. But the first time I really developed an appreciation for both of those art forms was after I got into jungle. I can say that we we might. I mean I. I mean I was listening to like Roots Man and like Badawi, so that was a pretty dubby guys. And I was aware. I think I found drum and bass and and UK steppers at the same time. Okay. So they kind of existed in the same space for me. We bought a, we bought that um, Jaw Warrior. I think uh, we got a DJ, who was it, DJ SS, Mickey Finn, Sick. these guys, we bought a bunch of their tapes, also probably from the fucking warehouse at that time, um, in Walnut Creek. Uh, Dude, you're going to make whiskey come out my nose. We got that shit. Um, <laughs> and then I, we, I have to say though, like, we, I, I mean, I was kind of talking shit earlier, but like the warehouse, more than most mainstream music outlets seem to have the line on the underground shit. Like, I remember buying a Kenny Ken tape at the warehouse in, like, 1996. Weird. That was super 
proper. I'm picturing it in my head. It had like Big Ben on the front. It was like UK London Jungle or something is what it was called. But it was a fucking great mix. It had Big Ben on it? Yeah. It was like the most... Sick graphic, mate. Yeah. Right. Because the jungle scene really gravitates toward the tourist destinations. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're not. What's that? What's that pink vinyl over there? No, this one. That, oh. That. oh, you want to hear it? Well, what is it? Is it is Shock Out? It's Kid 606's uh, dance hall label? Yeah. Super influential. You want to hear this? Yeah. What label? What, who's it? Machine Drum? It's Machine it's Drum. It's, uh, ma- yeah. Mr. It's- Travis Stewart. is the instrumental of this song it's a huge disappointment to me and i've already told this to kid 606 because there was a time where kid 606 matmos myself we used to play together a lot in the east bay um at or occasionally i would say but we play at the same venues a lot you know um and i told him i emailed him and i was like yeah man there is no reason you had shock out you should have kept doing shock shock out i had a record that he was interested in releasing with a dance hall mc known, known as enforza who's on my a lot of my old records and yeah i know that name through you yeah so enforza was killing it and in oakland where where kid 606 was too but i guess his he for whatever reason i mean it was hard uh, to keep a label going and he's such a you know brilliant and and uh, active producer Otherwise, too, yeah, I think I he kind of focused his attention, I think, on just his the, the Tiger Beat label. Well, well dude, I yeah. mean, that's why I said earlier, like, when you when you said somebody had four labels, like, even just making your own music and getting it out the door is so hard and exhausting. Yeah. That when I see these, like, these kind of, you know, Diplo-style impresarios who have, like, a label and a project and a side project and they do DJ gigs and you're just like, what? I mean... The amount of output is just incredible. You know, it's so, it's so impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's the way it has to go, though. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And uh, you have to create that little ecosystem around yourself, right? Yeah, I have to. And uh, Shock Out was great. It was Dread Bass, man. It was had uh, Ghislaine Poirier. Later got signed to Ninja Tune and yeah, did man. stuff with uh, MC one of my Zulu. Favorites. Dude, Always. He's, got a, is it, he's doing a new thing, what? Uh, Boundary? Boundary? It's great. Is that yeah. him? That's him and Boundary another guy. Boundary is great. The the Taranga Massive will have an appreciation for the Poiré vibes. Yeah. So, so listen, like while, while we're on that tangent, like you said something earlier that that I want to explore a little bit more, which was, and I don't know what what song you're gonna play next, but like, so you mentioned the Bangra vibe that influenced the like Indian parties, you know? Yeah. You have a cultural insight into that world, and it definitely influences the music that you make as Kisharora, but it's also influenced like, you know, we heard Tabla Beat Science earlier, and there's. There's there's a an, a far eastern vibe in a lot of modern music. Yeah. And people know what Bollywood is, but like Bollywood isn't just corny movies with super fake action scenes. You know, like it's yeah. it's a it's a it's an ecosystem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like so, I mean, uh, I would love to hear more about how that influenced what Kush Aurora makes. Yeah. How that influences you know just everything because it's so it's so global. You know. It's it's I would say it's pretty. 
I grew up in a pretty westernized, about as westernized as it could get Indian family. So my Hindi is shit. My Punjabi <laughs> is non-existent. Okay. So I treat it still, I mean, it's, I heard a lot of Indian music growing up in the house, always, right? I always appreciated it. But what kind of Indian music did you hear? Like pop from that era? I heard, or I like, heard like Zakir Hussain. Okay. And then I heard a lot of shit that I ended up cutting up later on in records, like classic, like classic Bollywood stuff from the 20s, 40s, 60s, you know, 70s and stuff like that. Um, so I heard that stuff and then at like random cultural gatherings and stuff like that, or at like weddings or like, you know, you know, at that era, like, you know, Indian population was still a little bit smaller than it is now in, uh, in the States as a whole. Um, and there weren't that many living in the burbs. There are not that many Indian families. So there we'd, there'd sort of like be these like cultural parties that everybody would go to, you know, um, on the weekends or, uh, you know, whether it's like going to, you know, some barbecue or whatnot, you know. Oh, these are fairly lavish affairs, right? Like no, 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 no. I'm talking about just going to like people's houses and shit. It's just oh, that okay. there are only other Indians there. Oh, got it. There's no like, it's like so a barbecue, but there won't be any white people there. Because like, as a, <laughs> as a gringo, I mean, when you say except, like... Except when, Anthony's ass When you say a cultural event, like, like some of us are thinking like ornate costumes and no, endless meals no, no. and none of that no just like like crappy crappy like children children's birthday parties and like like going to like some shitty okay. restaurant but, in berkeley but, but the, and like having to have like like catered food <laughs> like three weekends in a row but like, the constant was indian culture so there was this yeah. musical aspect that, so there'd be music in okay. like the background or like the djs who were playing right. there and they would be like that was height of like the bungra shit so like See, yeah i want to hear more about yeah. that dude so that shit you had um you had um Apache Indian at that time. So Apache Indian is an Indian dance hall singer who did a bunch of fun songs like Chuck Day and stuff like that, which were really, really big hits in the UK. And kind of were like the first popular Indian person to like kind of cross over into the hip hop reggae world. Um, on a legit level and actually like be fucking with like other reggae artists and people who are well respected out of Jamaica or Not London. Not a novelty. Not a novelty, but he, I think it was introduced as a novelty because he had a song called Arranged Marriage, which was super funny. <laughs> um, and But he had, you know, he's a legitimate dance hall uh, guy, but it it wasn't really apparent at that time. We used to rock his shit and he, his stuff sounded like basically like similar type of rhythms that you'd hear behind and, um, classic 1990s New York reggae hip hop and um, stuff like um, Bounty Killer, uh, Louis Culture, like right. this sort of golden era of early 90s dance hall stuff that was going on. So that was always there in the background. And then later on in, in, in high school, for me, um, and I always loved tabla and drums because I was playing drums like we were taking yeah, drums. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was always fascinated with it and always loved, I always dug Indian music, but I got more into Punjabi music because of the hip hop, because of the UK underground and how so, that went. So Punjab is a province in India, right? Yeah. And, and, and being, it's in like Northern India? Northern India. So, okay. But, and, it, and it is Pakistan too, for, for all given purposes. So it's Northeast. Well. Yeah. Or Northwest India. Northwest, North and Northwest. Yeah. Okay. So, and it, before the division, that would be Punjab also. But like, Delhi, I guess, is, is in it. Um, 
I guess people traditionally think of Punjabis as Sikhs, so right. I'm not Sikh, but okay. I'm still Punjabi from the from the area. Sure. Um, so, but all the Bhangra was really like a came out of mostly the Sikh community um, and a few other communities out of London, and was sort of like really influencing. It was like reggae and Bhangra. That was like the cultural like immigrant struggle that was happening in the UK at that time, and that that became kind of the pop culture export cool underground export that ended up at like our parties and shit like that and then Bhangra is like traditional dancing with you know dole and tumbi and instruments so there were a lot of Bhangra specific parties in high school like in the in like you know Milpitas and Fremont where you'd hear like this like I mean just wicked bass sounding fucking shit like day in and day out like sort of because you were Kush growing up in the East Bay at this time you had this insight into both this progressive cyber techno music form that's so Western and modern but you also had the, another foot in this world of traditional Indian music that was undergoing its own little renaissance because of you know the the Bollywood influence right like because of the, the pop culture influence yeah exactly actually I'm pulling up something that we, we, we should actually be pretty dope like to show you guys so this is a classic so just to if you hear this shit you know that it's really quite relevant so here check this out um, I have this uh, this is um, Bali Sagu oh yeah Bali Sagu absolute boss so he was in the middle of he did dub he did bhangra and he also did like reggae stuff so this is a classic of his miralonga whatcha So, I mean, on one level, like, you could think this is kind of cheesy, like, hearing it super later on, but this is, like, UK sound system baseline type shit. It's just, I think it's a horrible MP3, but, yeah. No, but that kick is huge, dude. So, it's basically like a dub, like a di like an 80s digital rhythm, more or less, with tabla thrown on top of it. Oh, but that shit slaps. Yeah. That, that delay on the yeah 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 this is fucking nice some grinding ass music oh my god oh, yeah. you hear this shit at every wedding man so were these parties pretty wild are you like 13 running around at some crazy Bhangra out Indian barbecue like you know what honestly my parents wanted me to do like Bhangra or like encouraged me to do more Indian stuff and I kind of was just like no nah, I want to fucking hang out with this guy and other people and do music you know, I kind of like, had my I own like agenda industrial. we were like I was more interested in like 
trying to go to Gilman or something like that, you know? So well, I think a lot, because you're first generation American, right? Yeah. So like, I think a lot of first generation kids do that. They like push against the the, the constraints of their parents and they, they, they try to assimilate in like this kind of... Yeah, I mean, I, I think if it was, it was for me is that a lot of the other Indian kids were so straight, straight laced that, I mean, we had, we have another friend, Am, Amit and another guy that we had, we had like a really tight crew, but we didn't kick it with the other Indian kids because they were fucking boring, man. They were too, they were pussies about well, shit. And it's like, I, I'm going to say I'm a first generation American yeah. and, and it's like, you exist in kind of this weird gray area. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's a real, it's a real. I mean, as far as what your question is and yeah, like what yeah, we're yeah. talking about, that that without that experience, man, I mean, there's no, there would be no music in my life because honestly, like, the reason the zine started that we were talking about earlier yeah. is because we got in trouble for doing prank calls in seventh grade to this. There was this dude. You guys, you and Anthony got in trouble for prank calls? He didn't really, he wasn't really guilty of it. It was me, it was me and these other guys from my school. Um, I want to hear Anthony's side of this story. Give it, give him the mic. I want to hear, uh, I want to hear Anthony tell this story. Uh, get on there. Get the all up on. Calls. Don't look at Kush. But, look at the microphone. But actually, I think uh, the best prank was when we took it to the IMI. Prank IMing. And, uh, <laughs> but prank calls is really, Kush was just a, absolute genius and he would be in the moment and just be able to outwit anyone that we we're on the line with that's pretty much how i remember who are you it. calling like what who oh, are you calling call all types of motherfuckers i mean everyone to the operator you know it's just who can we prank today uh, yeah, I mean, what was the anthony what was the best prank call you ever heard kush perpetrate yeah, I'm not even. Coach, uh, no, uh, if you remember a good one, jump in here. I remember skateboarding, and really, some of the funniest ones that I laughed to was just calling uh, the 1 800 collect girl, or not the one, uh, the operator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but, oh, there, there was an operator, but what, what happened was basically there was a kid in our class whose parents were hella rude to, to, to our parents as well. Like, we thought oh. that she was racist, right? Oh, okay. So we prank called her house over and over again <laughs> and fucking said obscene shit like on the line. Like, wow, like okay. amazing stuff, but like would like jump on the bed and like make the springs squeak and be like, oh, let your husband fucking somebody else. <laughs> like some shit like that. And, like, or like, you know, we did like outrageous, like immature, like, you know, like junior high shit, you know? <laughs> so like Beavis and Butthead on steroids. Fucking. Just total Beavis and Butthead stuff, right? right okay. And we would do this like, Wait, yeah. <laughs> and we, so we did it so much. And we became, dude. dude, the cop showed up, man. We had a sleepover. We had a sleepover, and the fucking cop showed up um, the next morning, because like the lady had been taping all the like. Of course, we were idiots. We like just like recorded, left it on the machine or like whatever. So the lady, the lady like got it all together and brought it to my parents and played the shit back and like transcribed it and told my mom and dad like all the horrible things that we had said. They had, the printout, they had a printout. Oh, they man. They had a transcript? They had a printout. The type of motherfucking printer. The type of fucking printer where you tear. The top matrix. The top matrix with the sides with, with, with the holes. 
Dude, so that was bad <laughs> news. Yo, millennials, the struggle is real. We used to have to tear the perforated side holes off of our paper after we printed it, you fucking assholes. Dude, so <laughs> so the cops roll up on your sleepover and <laughs> the next morning and oh like all of us got in trouble, dude. And really Did like you get arrested? I mean, what happened? No, I think I think my family like had to like there was some like I think they got dinged with like she want, I think she tried to sue, but I don't think it was oh, like wow. a suing. Like it was bad, dude. Like, oh like really bad. So, so she said that we traumatized her fucking kid or something like that. And it was like, you know, looking back on it as an adult, it's like, okay, that was stupid, you know. But dude, junior high boys make hell of stupid oh, yeah, mistakes totally. of things that they, they would all feel bad and regret later on yeah, in their life. Like whatever, you know. So, so how did this turn into you guys having to do a zine? Like, so, where did the zine come? From? So what happened was at that time. The, the zine was going, but it really, this this is super pivotal for me because I got grounded majorly. Uh, of course, you couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't fucking go anywhere, dude, for a while. Like, I, it was, or it was like heavily got reduced. It. Like, instead of us hanging out like twice a week, it was like once every two weeks or like for a, quite a while. And I mean, I, I was, I felt kind of bad. Like, I mean, I was a lot of trouble, you know? Um, and uh, like, you know, I felt kind of bad. I felt bad for my, fa- terrible for the fact that my parents parents had to deal with it I didn't whatever fuck it so what happened was (laughs) I was just bored and we would like sit around and just um, scan through college radio because I didn't know what else to do so I would scan through and I got 90.1 which was uh, KZSU Stanford Mm -hmm. station and 94.1 which is KPFA um, and 89.7 KFJC so from Lafayette I managed to get all all three of those stations um and uh, that was like where I heard a lot more like noise, um, actually a lot more reggae. So more of this kind of like music that you weren't getting to from your your personal life, right? Yeah, stuff that I wasn't getting from the warehouse or from uh, mixtapes, but right. like the gaps in between that, sure. that stuff kind of came in through being basically stuck at home a lot for, for a while. How long were you grounded for, dude? I mean, I think that just the whole year of eighth grade, like, I mean, it wasn't like my mom didn't let me do anything or anything like that, but it was just like, they really, you know, they really had a fucking tight ship going on, you know? Got it. Are you an only child? I am. Oh, okay. Yeah. Me too. So, man, you had no, you had no buffer. No buffer, man. Wow. But you know what? After that, man, I honestly really didn't get in any any trouble. I think I learned my lesson. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm glad I uh, learned to evade detection. Uh, yeah, like like all my most scandalous friends went to boarding school, and there's kind of like a there's a lesson there. Like all boarding school does is teach the most troublesome kids how to be better at being troublesome. Yes. Yeah. It's I say like, that as a like, semi troublesome person. It's like prison. Exactly. There, there's some kind of insight there for society. Hey, society, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the Whiskey and Wax podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Whiskey and Wax. What's this we're hearing? Uh, this is um, Dillinger. Oh, wicked. Yeah. For, uh, Metalheads? G Corp. No, not Dillinger. Dillinger. Oh, Dillinger, the, the classic uh, reggae singer. Yeah. A G Corp remix? A G Corp remix. So this is on the uh, K7 label, right? Uh, I think it 
might have been guidance. I think it's guidance. Uh, oh, well, you know what? It's, it's definitely guidance. It's it, it's actually. It's only on 33, so I can read it. It's um, it's from a compilation that's on guidance. So it might have been originally released on K7. I'm not sure. Well, you know, you talked about that dub influence earlier, Chris, and I think like I think dub is kind of like pop, like because you have the word dub, you know, in dub reggae it was originally instrumental versions that they would apply effects to and make like kind of a different application of the same composition. And you see dubs, like quote unquote dub for DJs means it's the, it's like a more essential version of a song. Like maybe it's the B side, maybe it's the instrumental, but even more minimal. But you, you know, you, you can, you can say that anything can be made dub in the same way that anything could be made pop. Totally. Well, it's, it's, it, yeah, it, it, that's it, a good way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know not, I mean? It not only influenced a musical style, but it influenced production techniques, it, recording exactly. techniques. Exactly. You know what I mean? It, uh, yeah, it's, that's why I say it's one of the most, I feel it's one of the most pervasive musical sure. kind of movements. You got everything. It's in every yeah. every yeah. form of music. Because you could you you can have pop bongra, you can have pop hip hop, you can have pop yeah. bluegrass, you can have pop reggae. Where's your dub bluegrass at? Dub, well, dub you grass. know, I, I mean, I am this close to making some dub grass because, you know, I play in a string band. Yeah, that's what I, I'm saying. And I make jungle, and I'm kind of like, what I should really do is start putting more delay on my mandolin, and playing it over breakbeats. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool to see live. You know, I, I could probably do that. I could probably do that for you. Get that done pretty soon. It'd be fun. You could also play it at the BART station. You, you'd be surprised what you can do at a BART station, Coach. You could do quite a bit at a BART station. In fact, my band, The Human yeah. Condition, rehearsed for multiple years, like three years, at the Montgomery BART station. Really? We would just all go there and we would play our songs and if we fucked up we would play it again because no one knows because we're just walking through the bar station and we made a lot of money kind of well probably more money than we make playing shows at Why the not? bar station just let's rehearsing. set up a club at the bar station so who's down with a bar station pop-up nightclub flash mob bongra bluegrass sound clash sounds pretty fun anthony's on board that sounds complicated that sounds like Delhi to Dublin. Chris, would you be able to bring some ba- some baby raccoons to that party or no? You don't have the hookup on. I heard I heard you have the hookup on the baby raccoons. Not anymore. I sold them. You did not. I did not sell them. I got I got them to a place that could take better care of them. What happened to Scrubs, man? Scrubs is is kicking it with his siblings, um, Bear Bear and Joey. <laughs> are these all these? these are so I, I live I live in the Oakland Hills and where I live is zoned as an urban wildlife refuge and if you google if you happen to also be, known as the area in your underwear yes. sorry <laughs> you're exactly right you big dreadlocks yeah. Chris Aurora bringing it back it's whiskey yeah. and wax um but so if you if you're if you're a person that happens to 
come upon baby animals of some sort that need to go somewhere else than where they are, and you Google where to take them, it tells you to take them to my house. So we often have people coming by dropping off baby animals. We've had people drop off possums, hummingbirds. That's adorable. Uh, and so we keep them, we try to keep them alive long enough to get them to our landlady who does this for a living. And so yesterday, somebody dropped off three baby raccoons and they were super cute. And I fed them with baby bottles and uh, I went on on the internet and I saw a video of a baby raccoon crawling on Chris's beanie and chewing on his head. Mind you, you should not you should not really handle raccoons. We've had a little bit of direction and we cleaned them and you know we had to handle them to to take care of them, but you you know, should generally not handle them. But they were super cute. So, so should I them. put this baby raccoon down because he's super cute, man? I just wanna keep handling him. You should put him in, in your shirt. That's let, not let real. him suckle on your nipple and that's then he a, will imprint on you and you will forever become his raccoon mother. I mean <laughs> Dude, I gotta come I gotta come by the house. That sounds actually really cute. You know you Chris's should, house is the shit. Dude. You should come by. It's it's definitely a good place to hang out. It's but, actually a good place to come in like do work. Like your taxes and shit. Like the tax my taxes? Like if you wanna come and sit down like on my back deck and do some kind of Can like I- Menial, menial, but you know, important task that involves sitting down for long periods of time. My place is a good spot to do that. Can I make PowerPoint presentations at your house? Oh man, absolutely. I did that all like last week. Oh, I'm super down. Oh man, Kush Aurora, what you got next for us, dude? I'm gonna fast forward it a little bit and then take it even further back. So <laughs> this what? is that was, that's, you're the, you're a one man time machine. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to after. We're gonna cut off. I I, I said I picked two tracks from um, from your new from stuff? from twenty from my life oh. from twenty to thirty that I thought really influenced me. Right. And one of them here is by the UK band man Bok Bok, who runs oh, yeah. the influential Night Slugs label. Right. Um, so this track is. Still my favorite track of his. I love all his music, honestly. But um, this is a track called Dance Report that uh, I actually have DJed probably at least like every time we play together at some point. Like, um, and this came out on Baraka Som Sistema Broncos oh, nice. and uh, label called Enchufada. And it's from their very first compilation called Hard Ass Sessions, which is Kuduro means hard ass. And for those who don't know, is it really? That's what it means. I had no idea. That's what it translates to. So Kuduro is like a combination of Angolan um, and Portuguese um, dance music. And at that time, I, I had been listening to this traditional Kuduro, but this was the first of its type. It really had this technician on it you know well it went through like kind of an electronic filter yeah so is Kaduro like the pop kind of rough and tumble music of its genre of its area or I would say it's fairly popular popular exists oh listen that that clave that glass So, 
Yeah, it's in Luanda. I would say it was it was more popular in the early 2000s than it is now. Most of those producers are making like power beats, they would call it, or house or zook. But this is what people are listening to in that country. Like this is kind of the. Yeah, that that that. I'll play some of those lambas who are like kind of kings. Listen. Bopper, I should have made like a whole goddamn record like this. I mean, it's too good. You can play this anywhere. And it still feels really, really punk. And like, really, really like... Uncompromising. I love it. Well, it's a 6-8 beat that you can actually kind of kick it to. like last night a little bit <laughs> this is sort of the, the, it, I, I wouldn't say this is not worlds away from what the live show is like what your life yeah just like three or four elements just you know this is flexible you play this shit 30 bpm it still sounds you play it at 90 bpm it's zook so Kuduro and Zook are interchangeable in the rhythm. One's at 90, 100, with like pop cheesy vocals and shit on top of it. Or like crappy remixes of like Justin Timberlake. And then, then you got your Kuduro at 140. missing from like EDM or culture or whatever the fuck you want to call it like see how simple and powerful this is instead of having just a bunch of noise and crappy buildups and it's like you know well, it's the compositional element like the composition of this is so everything's in its place it's got this woozy kind of disorienting vibe but it's also you can snap your neck to it like it's yeah big up bok bok for that man this is tight when did this come out um, let me tell you one second. Like early 2000s or? No, 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 a bit later. Hold on, hold on. I'll find the exact date. Um. Looks like um, maybe 2010. Yep. It's got that little rave flavor of that synth, that like... Yeah, it's definitely got the night, night Slugs feel on it, but... Yeah, for 2010, it's, oh, yeah, super ahead of its time. Menacing. Um, should I play something else? Should we... Yeah, man, absolutely. Do you uh, have enough whiskey to keep playing Wax? Yes. Okay. This is, um... From 
Uh, this I'm is just making sure Chris has enough whiskey. Oh. Yeah. This is, um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... Your homework is to make a track with that sample. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is, this is, uh, we used to watch, me and Anthony used to watch this video. Remember we bought that, uh, this Wait, is, um. I know this, what is this? This is Clock DVA. This is, um, this is a song called The Hacker. It's like some more industrial shit. Yeah, this is, this is super classic on Wax Tracks records. So Wax Tracks was home to KMFDM. Okay, cool. Um, Revolt and Cops. Does that really stand for Kill Motherfucking Depeche Mode? I believe so. I thought that's what it was. Like, yeah. so I thought that's like the, what the thing was. That's what I heard. So this this song was like, you know, I did my own version for record label records of this track. Um, maybe about five years ago, five Official six years. Official or like on a bootleg level? No, just I am I my own version. I called it the hacker. Oh, okay. But it's inspired by this, which is basically like. You know, this is the world we we're we're fucking in today. This isn't. This is yeah. from the '90s, and now like this is like a reality. Look at the news yesterday. Like all the federal government's um, workers were hacked by supposedly China or whoever the fuck. Yeah. Who knows? Really, honestly. Yeah. Hacking is a weapon. Yeah, hacking is a weapon. Hack hacking is change and power, and it's like everything. So this 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 song really struck out to us. I remember when we heard it on this. Um, uh, Industrial Revolution compilation that Wax, Wax Tracks, they released a box set called The Black Box, which is a three CD disc set, which is priceless. If you can even find it, you have to absolutely buy it. And it's got a lot of like classic dance music on it too, like a lot of classic acid house and, 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 and rock, like rock stuff, like ministry, mini, ministries rock stuff and their dance stuff. And it goes from 1980 all the way up to like that time when it came out in 94, I think, 95. Yeah, Ministry definitely straddled that line between rock and electronic. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really cool video for this too, which is like a strobe with like hacking data and numbers and shit like that. It's like totally... It's like something you would see at a club and like think that somebody had spent like tons of time making the visuals for at like public works or something. Like it's like no, this is, this is an awesome video from 1989 or whatever. So Clock DVA, I guess a lot of people are pretty cult fans of them. They just had a their record reissued on mute recordings. Oh, cool. Uh, this is a box set of Clock DVA coming out. Believe also, if I'm not mistaken, Psychic TV and um, a few other people have remixed this song in that era as well, like in the early '90s, and done like house, sort of house and trance versions of it. Well, you know, it's funny listening to this kind of music again through the, the the retrospective lens of like dubstep and house and quote unquote EDM whatever that is this th 
one thing that, that strikes me now about industrial is that it, it managed to be both driving and forward like full speed rhythms and also that kind of like halftime rhythm that there's there's something really compelling compositionally about that about that that four on the floor and then like the halftime snares and and the vocals are like always long phrases they're always yeah, like yeah your soul belongs to me yeah it's like some 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 such shit i mean yeah it's like but you know what i'm saying but because yeah. it's not it's not like mindlessly dance like everyone dances now the drop has happened yeah and it's also not it's kind of floating brooding shit it's got this kind of swagger to it you know it's got this kind of like that's so like wax tracks and all like it was chicago right so those guys are going and seeing I mean the classic house era yeah, right Chicago there, house, right? Yeah. So you know those those things really I think um, help do it and the guys are all still like you know they're all dance music people still regardless. Even at that era everybody was listening to New Wave or what you know dancier rock bands at that time. Well right and, and that's something too that about modern electronic music is much more like a concert than a dance party. Like the thing that, as a, as a musician, the thing that drew me to electronic music in the first place was that you danced to it however it struck you. You didn't dance with someone, you didn't do a specific dance, like line dancing, you like danced. You just moved and yeah. it was this, the, the music was this canvas for self-expression as an audience member that was part of this larger collective self-expression of the crowd, which as a DJ is certainly something like, when I'm performing as a musician, people are watching, at the end they clap, they like it, it's, it's mutually yeah. validating, but as a DJ, if I'm playing music, people are just standing around, it's like... Okay, but do you like it? You're just standing You're there. You're just standing there. Yeah. Like, what the hell's and, going on? And the, so the dance part, like, the thing, like, to the ministry point and to, like, the industrial point in general, like, industrial music was dark, it was brooding, it wasn't fake, but you could express yourself to it instead of just standing around and having feelings, which is what I feel like dubstep certainly went to and what EDM has gone to is not, like... I said this. It's just too much goddamn noise. Like it's not. There's no vibe. There's and there's no reason to move. Yeah. Like you don't. You don't want to dance to that music. You want to stand there and watch some kind of spectacle, as opposed to, you know, becoming part of the spectacle. Yeah, because it's like it's like it's like so hacked and cut up and compartment, you know, commercialized and compartmentalized. It's like. Here's this part of the song. Here's that. Now do this. Yeah, now do this that. And it's do. like it's like, oh, okay, whatever the fuck. Like just fuck off. You know, this is no, nothing's happening basically. Right. You know, and that's that's the problem with that shit. There's, no, there's no sense of mystery or nuance or. Uh, that's a good yeah. way to put it. There's no nuance. I'm all about music that's like absolutely actually that our next track is coming from an artist by name of Sepultura. This oh, is yeah. Stronger Than Hate. So that was, this is, I like music that has, is full balls for sure, but, you know, it's got to have nuance. This is from the record, um, Beneath the Remains. At the time, 
we were all metalheads too. Oh yeah. Because exactly. we were, especially being in the Bay Area, it was like Death Angel, Metallica. And Sepultura was the most crazy left field metal shit ever that anyone had ever heard. Yep, it was. It was, and it was still to me in the top three thrash bands. We, we were blessed Absolutely. with having Exodus in the Bay Area, yep. um, but and Metallica. Dude, if you don't know Sepultura, fucking get smart. Yeah. They even had a project with, um, I think, Max Calvalera and Al Jorgensen's did Nail Bomb. Oh no, that was Al Jorgensen and Ian McKay of Minor Threat did Palehead, which was straight edge hardcore. for a metal show field trip. 
If you want to go to a metal show with the Whiskey and Wax crew in Kush Aurora, what's up? Twitter. Yeah. Whiskey and Wax. Kush Aurora 27? At, yeah, Kush Aurora 27. K-U-S-H-A-R-O-R-A 27. At Twitter. And I'm on Instagram, too. And if you can't find Twitter, just look in the back of the SF Weekly. There's a phone number that you can dial up to. Yeah. You can do it. Are you scratching to this, dog? Just, just in my mind. To leave again won't be a lie. My life's gone, won't it be? That's the end of the track. You want to throw one down, buddy? Wait, this is how the track ends? Yeah. You can... It's all you, man. Go on, go, on, go right on. Yeah, Kush. How are we doing on time? I'm doing great. All right, we're going to take it forward again. So, Os Lambas, Kings of Luanda. Bad motherfuckers. All right, this is what you were talking about before. So this is Kuduro? Yeah. And it's toughest and roughest. Cool. War Torn Angola, hardcore breakcore type rhythms with semba rhythms, which is classic Angolan rhythms. Purposely distorted shit. And check out the video. So this track is called Quebrada Lamba. All pretty loose. I consider this music to be like the punk rock music. It's rough as fuck. Yeah, super rough. You know, it's just basically like the equivalent of what Sepultura was at one point. You know, in its own territory. But you can move to it. Yeah, this dude who's singing, he's got the craziest hair, they got the craziest, this dude's got the craziest fashion, man, like, it's, and they're all doing this in-house, but they're doing a lot of, like, TV, TV performances and stuff like that, too. Chopped and screwed. Two singers. Oh. 
Tight. So I, for me, this stuff is really, to me, is like, when I started hearing this stuff in the 2000s, I was like, oh my God, this is insanity. This is exactly where my head is at. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's, it's, and there's a lot of it, you know, it evolved into, you know, you know, just no vocals too, you know. So I actually have a track coming out on a on a, a Luanda based label called This Is Kuduro. Oh no shit! Yeah, as Kuduro. I uh, as only now. Oh hi. Yeah, yeah, it's coming out in a, a month out there. But it's a label that works with a lot of these artists out there. They hit me up, so dude, we're trying to do. You are so fucking global. <laughs> Well, it's, it's just such good music from out these places. It's like, we have, I have no idea what the fuck these dudes are saying. It doesn't matter. What you got next for us? This is another song I picked from um, recent. This is Bully Shaba, which is Tiger Style, UK Bangra team masters, um, producers, um, with uh, Vibes Cartel. Oh, tight. Who? Didn't he go to jail? Vibes Cartel is in jail for murder. The, the man who looks like a lizard buried a man in his backyard, apparently. So, That's the most hardcore shit ever. I guess so. He says he didn't do it, and that police framed him, and that's honestly quite believable in a place like Jamaica. True. So, you know, where people are getting like shot left and right, I mean, it's like very easy to point the finger at somebody who like stirs up the community, like Five Cartel does. So, and then there's Sindin, so on this track. So Sindin remix. Sindin is known for his cool UK funky and sort of house collaborations. He does a lot of electro stuff, which is whatever, but this stuff of his really struck out to me, so this is a cool one. I'm a huge UK funky fan. Time where we're really like Vibes Cartel and Funky Bashment and all that stuff. Really starting to get a lot of attention in the late 2000s. I think I, I spun this at your party. Yeah, this sounds familiar.
tell them, say you're used to the world I got the stuff that you need, come over, come dance with me So what you say, uh-huh, uh-huh That's a tumbi right there, which is an instrument I play on a lot of tracks. It's a one string, one string in any instrument with a goat skin. On some of those, on some of the bumper stuff I did, a lot of uh, uh, tumbi stuff. So it's like it's been on a lot of uh, on, in a lot of different in a lot of different songs, but these guys, Tiger Star, are like the best at that shit. Like they're really, really good. It's a really hard instrument to play, like, because it's only one string. You can do, like, in half-ass, like I do, but to actually really rock on it is, like, really hard because it keeps detuning as you're playing it. It's... is um, from the great label Ja Warrior, which was basically, you're, you're about to say something. I was just about to be like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that shit? That was like yeah, yeah. 90, mid, I think they ran solid from the mid 90s up till now. And I picked up the CD uh, at the warehouse. <laughs> So this is, um, no, no, I picked up a different Jaw Warrior compilation for the first time at the warehouse, but this is like the golden era of UK yeah, steppers. Yeah. I had never heard, I had heard Jungle, and Jungle had a shitload of bass, but I hadn't heard bass like this, like yeah, UK this sound so system bass. This is big bass. So this is Nap Thali. Kick is huge. Yeah, and it's just like, this is on the, this is the 12-inch version, Jaw Warrior singles. Um, so many people are so. So UK sound system and culture at its best. Revivalist culture. Yes, them a pollute, 
spirit weak as flesh Oh yeah They could not run go to Africa You could not run go ITO Are you doing whiskey over there man? You need some more of this tin cup business? No, I'm good, I'm, uh, I'm hydrated Alright, in a bit Do you want some more water? It doesn't have any whiskey in it So all people that are with the fast locks this song is tight, cuz you know it's a it's a classic. Um, <clears throat> well sought after vinyl. <laughs> we put a dent in this bottle, boy. Just killed this bottle. Just a little bit. I didn't actually, in, I didn't intend to play this, but um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, I'll bring up a, I'll play a, so- a bit of this because it's a really cool song from that same Royal Song of Ethiopia record. I have a, another song from that, that same era of Jaw Warrior, which is pretty interesting. Likewise, I feel your opinion. What's your feelings? Check yourself, know your position. When you flutter, you don't with a fluttering tongue. The enemies mob the Edens coming at young. Emperor Celestia is the protection. Years of servility, tears jump like bombs. Night and day. I remember seeing Sizzle at the Maritime Hall. That place was out of control. That was the tightest place, dude. I remember going to see Parliament. But it was the P Funk All Stars. And I was like, or 18, I went on a weeknight by myself. And it was one of the best shows I've ever been to. It's incredible. Yeah, that place is a lot of great, a lot of great raves there too. Oh, we played hella raves there. Oh my god, he played all of them. Every single one of them. That middle level with the bar and the crazy window out into the city. Oh yeah. Yeah, one of the, the larger parties I threw was uh, all play together with uh, the funky phonography crew back in the day at Maritime Hall. Had about 2,400 kids to that one. Wow. That was an alias versus dilute set at that one. Oh, yeah? Dilute? Oh, my God. Made up the was massive. So check this one out. Wheel out. Kush Aurora in the mix. Whiskey and wax. Huey Isaacar can't take the pressure. Another another one of. Um, it's just cool, you know. Music is generally like young. Especially like urban music is generally like people under the age of 30 doing something. Right. So it was really cool to see. Get, get, 
These types of dudes, this is like an old reggae singer just killing it over some UK modern roots. Like, this bass line I've ripped off a million times. Delectably rip, ripped it off in the song. I love it. Watch out. Index fingers in the air. You will get that squeeze. Daddy music. This is like your your wise uncle singing to you. Right? You know, like you wanna have you wanna sit in the park with this motherfucker. You know? tunes how they sometimes they just end they're like oh and they're like hey man when should we end the tune how about right now <laughs> you just fade it out it's like okay cool this is done it's like this is this you know when you when you go to like a reggae festival and you you see like those like just bros like with like 30 spliffs or like uh, you know just sitting there and like it's like the beat keeps going is there any tunes you want to get to? Because we're, we're, I mean, it's getting close yeah, to, yeah, to go should, time. Yeah, so, like, go. if there's um, anything you want to play, we should play it now. Oh, the Involution? Yeah, we should play that. That'll yeah. Be, I want to play the... Is this uh, U2? Yeah. Dude, drop, dude, 
Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I could. We'll play a little bit of it. I mean, it's just I think it's like some experimental stuff, and then I want to show a uh, track from the Only Now stuff that's, yeah, that's coming word. out. Sounds good. Um, but here is let's see track four. All right, the CD's playing. Very youthful chimpus. Yeah, very youthful. This is the cool edit. So when it, when is this from? This is this is you guys from. Yeah, the CD's so old. I have like I think I was like I think I spilled like glue or some shit on it. I don't know, but this CD is from on a label called Avantgarde Music, which is home to many. You know, great folks. Uh, yes, this was. It looks actually this. The CD lists my own address. <laughs> probably not this Your one. house. My house. Recorded. Li- this is actually a performance of ours live at Cell Space, um, oh, which is R.I.P. Cell Space. Yeah, R.I.P. Cell Space, where I actually had a studio for a few years as well. Um, but this was recorded at an event called Omni Media, which was a surround sound event that used to happen. And there'd be one mixing board in the entire room. Um, and essentially, like, people would set up all their gear in circles around that, and everybody would take turns dubbing, everybody feeding and being the house controller. That's awesome. And, and like, it would be, like, generally a few, like, somebody would do the rhythm, and then everybody else would do, like, ambiences on top yeah, of it. the things. color. Yeah. We had a lot of interactive. We tried to be as interactive with the audience as possible. Remember one performance where, um, you know, the audience was eating watermelon and spitting uh, the seeds into uh, a contact mic garbage can. Nice. We were so processing you can hear all the seeds. that live. Yeah. Wow. We did a sausage one too, where we we mic'd a, us grilling a sausage inside the the uh, place on West Grand, and then. And it, were you, was that when you were doing stuff with Matmos? Because Matmos was—he was—he played at one of those shows, Blevin Blechdom and Matmos. Yeah, that was all at the same. That was all at a place called uh, the the uh, not the Luggage Gal Store, but um, we did some shit like that at Luggage Store too. But this was at a place on West Grand, which was like an accordion shop. They yeah, just, we were playing the back. Wait, what year music. is this? That was ninety-eight. This is ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. Dang. So this is you two that we're about to hear. This is what we're, this is basically us live, like doing live What are you each doing? Uh, we each have our computers. Huh. We're running, we're, that was we're, huge. we're, contact we're, mic. Yeah, we brought our, we brought our, uh, contact mics, two power PCs, uh, synthesizers. This, yeah, I don't think this song has any synth in it. Maybe a tiny bit. A little bit. That bass is huge. Yeah. And this is... Oh, and that's... um, That is... Yeah. That's actually that's the, the Novation right bass there. station right Whoa. there. But that's... um, That's running through Hyperprism. So Hyperprism was a program where you could feed a live input... And I actually interned there because I loved this shit so much. It was in Pacific. I interned there for a little bit, but like it was a um, thing that would process pitch time shift, a la the fucking um, Fatboy Slim song, the first big hit. How like the pitch, the, like the tempo stays the same, but the pitch and the time, you can adjust it on a grid. So you feeding in stuff, doing that, you know, like through that. Right. 
high school. College <laughs> high school. And we each had a Macintosh going. But so how did you sync the two systems together? Was it all like... Well, there's no beats, so... Aren't there? <laughs> Aren't there? They're just kind of jamming. Jamming, yeah. I heard some kicks in there, dude. I gotta say though, like the whole show, all the shit that Kush has dropped, this is the biggest bass that I have heard by far. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us about Only Now. Um, so, this is a new project that just uh, dropped on Tuesday this week. Um, and that's essentially a new side project of mine, which is focusing on sort of a lot of the industrial influences and. Uh, things that we were playing earlier in the show, and also some of the more African and sort of more cultural dance movement um, type beats, and recorded it here in the Bay Area um, with a bunch of percussionists from uh, guys like the Afrolicious crew, um, lo- local, local, local awesomes, you know, local awesome dudes and legends that, you know, have a great ensemble of musicians, so we made a drum library for Pyramid Mind uh, Studios. Um, and Pyramid the school. Yeah, the school. Yeah, so we did that, and uh, I worked on a record processing a lot of the sounds, um, and ended up coming up with some some different tunes. But I want to show you guys um, an unreleased track that is coming out on a cassette that will be out in two weeks on record label records. Wait, wait, a cassette tape. Cassette tape. That you put in your tape player? That you put in your tape player. That people have? That people have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, I guess they have, you know, tapes. A lot, of, a lot of old cars, you know. So what's the, what's the name of this track? This is Utter Chaos and Pain. And it's by Only Now? Yes. That's your new project. That's, that's it. That's Kush it. Aurora, Only Now, Whiskey and Wax. Get it. Yeah, and it's uh, riot footage and drums. Oh, really? That's what it's made out of, yeah. Like scrolling through hours and hours of YouTube's riots in like different countries and shit. Scratchy, scratchy. It's sort of novel. I, I seriously almost fell down when that sound happened. Be this careful. Is, I'm trying. Podcasts are dangerous, man. People don't realize. This song sounds dangerous. This song is dangerous. I'm glad you guys dig it. So if you hear the record, you know, you can hear that it's like a, a little bit more uh, matured form of this. But this is like the first like experiment I had with it. So we thought it'd be fun to throw it out there. You know? It's definitely different from Kush Aurora. Definitely. Yeah.
did put a dent in that whiskey bottle. Four grown men. It never really stood a chance. Never! Back scratches. Little back scratches. Who doesn't like a back scratch? That's a reactor uh, replayer plugin. Thanks for having me, guys. Dude, thanks for coming. Anthony, it's so good to see you. Yeah, big up. Thanks for having me. Alias Anthony, Anthony Alias, Chris Aurora, only now. It's Dan and Chris, Whiskey and Wax. We'll see you next time. Later, guys.